0: Yes, probably that'd be better than okay. This is it. There we go. You are on. Okay. Wow.
1: Which uh, is to symbolize a tent peg, add secure to hook. May your unfailing love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I will answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law, forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings, and will not be put to shame. For I delight in your commands, because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees.
0: Nice. Nice, and it is one December. Everybody noticed that it's gotten colder, and the snow has started to fall. So we're we're right there. Only in the she did
1: in the back Cold of the truck. She she I have too.
0: It's it's been a chilly day.
2: It has. Okay, got, it <laughs>
0: did. It got down to seventy-eight degrees. I've been cool all day. Um, okay, uh, December first, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like a sea billows roll. When 1871 dawned, Horatio Spafford was a happy man. His wife and four young daughters were a source of great joy and comfort. His real estate holdings in downtown Chicago were paying off handsomely with the city's rapid growth. Then in April of that year, the great Chicago fire consumed his real estate. But Spafford took comfort in the fact that his family had escaped the fire. Whatever my lot now has taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. The Spaff... <clears throat> Excuse me, the Spaffords' loss was cushioned by a deep belief in the sovereign hand of God. They were friends of Dwight L. Moody and had supported several of his crusades. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. In 1873, the Spaffords were overjoyed with the birth of their first son, but the boy lived only a short time. When the Spaffords buried his body, charred ruins still loomed over the city scape. Chicago and Spafford's business prospects had barely begun to recover from the fire. Lest this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless state and has shed his own blood for my soul. God seemed to offer the Spaffords a much-needed rest from the accumulated sorrow of their recent years. They had the opportunity to go to Europe to assist Moody with his next evangelistic campaign. While overseas, they would not only be able to share the love of Christ, but be able to visit the Holy Land. Their destination was Jerusalem, the very city where Christ's blood had made atonement for the sins of all those who would believe in him. Just before Thanksgiving that year, Horatio Spafford put his wife and daughters on the Villa du Havre, a ship bound for Europe. Business delayed his (coughs) own departure, but he planned to follow in a few days spafford awoke a week later to a horrible headline in the papers the villa de havre had been sunk by another ship in the mid-atlantic and had sunk there was no initial word of any survivors then on december 1st 1873 spafford received a telegram from his wife saved alone and lord haste the day when the face shall be sight the clouds be rolled back as a scroll the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Spafford boarded the next ship for Europe. The words of a poem that was forming in his head were on his heart as he passed over the watery grave of his four daughters, citizens now of the heavenly Jerusalem. Even so, it is well with my soul. In the years to come, Spafford and his wife made their permanent home in Jerusalem, where God bless him with a second family of children there they developed a ministry to the people who did not know the reality of Christ's peace like a river. When sorrows like sea billows roll in your life as they have a way of doing, do you have a peace like a river? Horatio Spafford's words were born out of a profound trust that God's purpose in his life was perfect. And God has purpose just as real for each believer's life no matter how bad things get the believer can have peace knowing that god is in control and that his will for us is best the lord rules over the flood waters. the lord reigns as king forever the lord gives his people strength the lord blesses them with peace psalm 29. just this morning i was working at the mall and while i was there i was thinking about children being born because we got so many that aren't making that monumentous moment nowadays. And while I was thinking of them, I thought, you know, if I was to dedicate a baby on the day of its birth, I'd probably say this child is destined to die. And so there's only one thing that is important in the life of this new baby, and that's Jesus. And we need to remember that when we raise our children is that there's nothing else that matters in this life. I don't care how rich you get, I don't care how famous you are. I don't. None of those things matter at all, diddly, without Jesus. It's temporary, it's fleeting, and that was the thought I had go through my head just in case a baby comes into my life in the near future. That's what I'm going to say over that child if I'm asked to dedicate it, is that uh, this child was born to die, and so you might as well bring it to life before that happens through Jesus. That's all there is to it.
1: We well, you know those two parents had no
0: doubts no doubts as to the status of their souls and those of their own children go read 1 Corinthians 7:14 to get that one right um, let's this see here
1: that was, that out.
0: we got some uh, prayer host. requests here Elise has not had a female cycle ever since getting pregnant which she did have her child so that's good uh, primary blood work came back normal OBGYN did an ultrasound and more blood work nothing wrong there Her estrogen was a little low but they did a biopsy to make sure and rule out uterine cancer endocrinologist ordered an MRI and that MRI uh, said they found a small tumor on the pituitary gland high possibility of having surgery to have the tumor removed but the good news is that they say 99% of the time pituitary tumors are benign and it's also the answer as to why she's been having all these female issues so have her in prayer for that Lisa is going to court and she also needs a place to move to she's asking for prayer Donna's son Mitchell has just been offered a job and he has very high anxiety about it in this world uh, I can see that right now he's working full time in fast food he's doing the kitchen by himself it's an A&W and she said when she said I don't know if you know what A&W is they're kind of like McDonald's and I went back I said I I've never been in a country where they don't have A&W I was in Malaysia, and there are country there are things we don't have in that country, but they had a and w pull right up and get your root beer and uh, chicken so uh yeah a and w uh, could you in the church as well, if it's not too much trouble, please pray that God would give him peace so he can mentally handle accepting it he, uh, I understand that he, you know you're you're working he's in a job where. He's the only one in the kitchen. I mean, he's got to do the entire place, and it's just got him frazzled, and he's been given this job opportunity, and he wants composure when he goes to it, so keep uh, Mitchell in prayer. And then uh, Justin, I brought him up a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago. He's a boy that had a kidney operation. He'd been waiting and waiting and waiting for a kidney, and uh, that came right out of the blue. It just showed up, and I got... a. I'm so distressed today. I've been talking to the Lord about this all day. Justin, who had a kidney replacement, is struggling greatly. The infection has settled in and everything is going wrong. It's debilitated him physically and mentally and his mother, Bonnie, must be beside herself. So please keep Justin in prayer. You
1: better tell
0: uh, us where Lisa lived. Uh, I, I don't know, she didn't say. Okay. So I, I Lisa, she gives me uh, usually yeah, one-line emails. They're very short, which uh, sometimes you don't get enough information out of there, but uh, the Lord knows where she lives, so uh, that'll be fine. And as far as, she didn't ask, you know, like, I'm looking for you to help me find somebody. Sometimes people will do that, and if they ask me, would you help me to find a place to live, then I'll announce that. She didn't say anything like that, so I'm assuming she just is needing to, you know, for whatever reason that she didn't tell me. But uh, there you go with those prayer requests. Heavenly Father, Yes. Just a quick update on my brother, Dale. Oh, Dale.
1: Yes, the surgery went well. Good. Uh, they
0: kept him in the ICU overnight. Okay. And they actually sitting home today. Good. Wow. Good. That's great. Thank you for letting us know.
1: Yet, but, uh, All right. Not showing any infection or rejection. All right. Good. Thank you, Lord.
0: Heavenly Father, we are very thankful for Tom's brother, Dale, and uh, please keep your hand upon him so that uh, he continues without any infection after the surgery. And we're very relieved about that. That was a big major one, Lord. And uh, our hearts are distressed about Justin. And we would ask that you would have your hand upon him and his mother and those people that are uh, close to him that are struggling with this this kidney issue and the infection and uh, give him strength, Lord. He hasn't been able to eat. He hasn't been able to uh, uh, get up at all, Uh, Lord we ask for mercy on this young man and uh, the other prayer requests as well you know each one of them you know their status and you know uh, the end from the beginning so we're leaving these things in your capable hand knowing that you already know what's going to happen but we do not and so we would pray for your guidance and your hand upon them as we await their outcome and if there's anybody else that's having a struggle or a trial that uh is uh, listening or that comes to uh uh a point in their life where they need your hand upon them please be with them and guide them we pray these things that you'll be glorified and we also pray for this class that it would be conducted properly we thank you lord how good you are to us we praise you in jesus name amen Amen. all right um we uh yeah i knew the story of that uh Uh, where that song came from. I've heard it many times, but it still is not easy to read those words and to think what he went through. Poor guy just, you know, losing four daughters all at the time. Okay, we're in the book of Colossians, and uh, I just am surprised how quickly we're getting through this. Um, We may finish it today. I'm sure. We're in Colossians mm-hmm. chapter 2 and verse 21, so if we just get going, we might get the book done. I'll be done.
1: shocked if we get into chapter 3. <laughs> okay,
0: well, well, we'll see if we can make that happen.
1: Okay. Put him down
2: in the
0: skeptical category. <laughs> yeah, put him down in the skeptical uh, category.
1: Realistically <laughs> skeptical. <laughs> Anyhow, let's uh, start at 20 at the beginning of the paragraph. All right. Uh, okay, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch.
0: Oh, so that was it. it? I was waiting for a whole paragraph and, uh, okay, this one, I I didn't even get my eyes focused on where I'm supposed to be reading by the time you were done. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. So you got yours in the reverse order there, chief. You need to talk to the translators about that. Okay, um, the words here have no connecting particles. They are sent out in... Re- I, before I go on, uh, has, if you uh, uh, have not been reading the Acts commentary, I uh, uh, post one verse from Acts every day. We're up to chapter thir- uh, the end of chapter 12 right now. I'm typing chapter 13. Um, but uh, the past few days have been a special couple of verses where a young lady named Rhoda goes to the door to uh, answer somebody tapping on the outside. Uh, and uh, so if you haven't seen them, I've got a certain Rhoda's picture there going to a door, and uh, so there you go. You should be reading those Acts commentaries, and right now we're almost to um, page 1,000 in the commentary, so if you haven't been reading them, what I'd like you to do is to stay up tonight and read the first 1,000 pages, (laughs) and then start tomorrow morning with Acts uh, whatever, 12, uh, 13, I think it is. Whatever it is, be there and be ready to read the most current acts and then follow along from there. Or be square. Um, or be square. That's. Or see what's
2: behind the green
0: door. Or you see what's behind the green door. That's right. Um, so, yes. Okay, so uh, <laughs> Acts 2.21. <clears throat> the words here have no connecting particles. They are sent out in rapid fire succession in order to show the urgency of the commands by those who would forbid another person from doing what they believe is wrong to do. However, the first word translated as touch and the last word translated as handle should be switched. It should read, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Hmm. Both words are very close in meaning, but the last phrase means a less deliberate touch than the first. So yours would be translated more accurately than this one, apparently. I don't remember that. This was years ago I typed this commentary. But... Um, Both words are very close in meaning. What is happening is the person doing the warning is making a climax of prohibitions. In essence, they are saying, don't handle such a thing, don't taste such a thing, and don't even touch such a thing. And obviously the context is from the previous uh, verses of this chapter is somebody that's legalistic, is stuck under law observance. You shouldn't touch that particular thing because it's unclean according to the law of Moses. You shouldn't eat that particular thing because it's unclean according to the law of Moses. And you, uh, another one, uh, don't handle, okay, such a thing because it's not appropriate under the law of Moses. And uh, such a person is not understanding what the word grace means. They don't understand what the new in front of covenant means. There's no reasoning in a person like that. Um, uh, I keep coming back to what Jim said to me uh, about two months ago when we were talking about Mount Hermon and the three caps on Mount Hermon. They're all the same height. I never knew this. I wish I knew this when I was doing the earlier Joshua sermons, but it's an obvious, the Lord placed these there as an obvious picture of the Trinity. Everything about from the top of Mount Hermon all the way down to the Dead Sea, every single detail is so beautifully picturing Jesus. And I didn't realize that until later. Uh, Bob up in Maryland sent me an email or, yeah, an email, and it had some information included on it, and it was like a light came off. And Jim said at that time, how many times does God have to keep telling us the same thing before we get it right? The Bible speaks of a trinity. It doesn't speak of a, a, you know, a a single monad. It doesn't speak of two God's, uh, God, uh, God persons within the Godhead. It doesn't speak about 20 people within the Godhead. It speaks of three Persons within the Godhead. That is what the Bible teaches. Anything else is incorrect. How many times does God have to show us through symbolism, through uh, explicit wording on who the Father is, who the Son is, who the Holy Spirit is, etc. And yet there are people that will spend hours and hours trying to get away from the Trinity, trying to find anything to deny the Trinity because the Roman Catholics teach it. And that is a, really a twisted, a mentally twisted way of handling your theology. The Roman Catholics taught dozens of things and they continue to do this day that are valid. Their doctrine in many areas is bad, but is Christ God? Well, oh, the yes. Roman Catholic Church teaches that, so it can't be true. What a stupid way of handling your theology. Well. The point I'm making here is that Jim says, how many times does God have to tell us something before we get it right? I bet you, just in Joshua alone, we've come to at least 30 pictures of the ending of the law. And explicit typology. I mean, it's not even close. Last couple sermons, could you have missed it? Once you see it presented, you, you, you can't miss it. Once you see what is presented, the hanging of the five kings, the hanging of this one king, and what happens to his body and where he's placed, it is so crystal clear that God is telling us in typology, and then from the hand of Paul, Peter as well, acts as well, but Paul in particular probably talks about the ending of the law three or four hundred times, explicit references to it. The Absolutely. It's just unbelievable that people can't get this simple tenet right. God is telling us that the law is done and people are coming out and saying, don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. And you wonder, what are they, What book are they reading? You know, um, it doesn't matter who it is, but somebody sent me an email yesterday morning. I woke up at four in the morning and they asked me, would you forward this on to Sergio and Rhoda? And it was something that had, Nothing to do with scripture. It was an analysis that, you know, um, uh, I can't even remember. It was so goofy. It was just, this will be an example. This is not what it said, but I'll give you an example. Um, uh, Satan was born from Adam and Eve. Something so blatantly non-scriptural. And I went back to him and I said, I'm not forwarding this on to anybody. I said, this has nothing to do with the Bible and I'm wasting my time and it's wasting their time. And I was polite. I said, have a great day. Well, you know, people just would do anything rather than read this book. I don't understand the fixation on the sensational. I don't understand the fixation on I can do better than Jesus, this law observant stuff. And Paul keeps bringing it up and he brings it up. And to me, it's it. the word is maddening. Think of it, maddening. It doesn't matter what you say to that person, they're going to come up with something crazy. It doesn't matter how you show in black and white what is said, they're going to come up and they'll say, well, that doesn't mean what it says. There's no other way to describe it except maddening. It just drives you crazy trying to think, why would somebody be this way? And this is what Paul, you can see, he's that frustrated. He is sitting there saying, this is maddening in whatever Greek, you know, he's thinking Greek and he's like, I don't know what the word is, but he's he's writing it again and again in the past, what, 15 verses? Mm -hmm. That's all he's talked about. He's talked about the law being nailed to the cross and he's talking about you know regarding you and food or drink or uh, this or that and the person is vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind and you died with christ from the basic principles he goes on and on and on and i can see right now in his words he is saying this is maddening that i even have to say this to you that's that's where he's at right now okay this is referring to don't touch don't taste etc this is referring to the judaizers who would warn against something like eating pork, a meat considered unclean according to the law of Moses. Here comes such a person into this group of Gentiles who have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed in fulfillment of the law. And what do they do? They urgently reapply the precepts of that obsolete Mm. law to the lives of these already puffed up souls. They're looking for any excuse to just say, I'm better than what I've been presented. Through Paul and the other apostles. I'm better than that. I don't need the grace because I can prove to God that I am better than that. There's no appreciation for grace in the minds of people in the world. And this goes all the way back to the very beginning. Why can't we just accept that Jesus Christ is everything that we need, everything that we will ever need to be right with God, and that it is done? Oh, no, I, I agree. I'm saved by grace. I know I'm saved, but I know I can lose my salvation. And so I'm going to do better than he did. And I'm going to prove to God that I can keep what was given to me. It is maddening. And Paul, you can see it. And just look at his words. They urgently reapply the precepts of the law. Hey, what are you doing? That's bacon. That bacon comes from an unclean animal. Don't handle such a thing. No, don't taste such a thing. And don't even touch such a thing. Bam! 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 They fire off their legalistic warnings. But Paul tells them otherwise. And he will explain it more fully in his words to come. Not to leave the verse hanging though, if you smell that delightful waft of bacon, feel free to pick it up, snack on it, and enjoy it. It, Yeah! It cannot make you any less saved. And it cannot defile you in any way. There's no defilement in eating bacon. The law is fulfilled in Christ, and it is finished. Going back a couple verses, Colossians 2.14, it is nailed to the cross. Thank God for the freedom we have in him. I'm sitting here, and I'm just thinking, how can people send these crazy emails? I get them from time to time. You know, you're a bad teacher. You're telling people that you don't have to observe the law of Moses. And I just, you know, it's not even worth arguing with people like that. I used to try to reason with them. There's no reasoning with them. They're just, it's just maddening. They'll click on, they'll come to, they'll, they'll see, ooh, live stream. Somebody's having a live stream Bible study and they'll click on it because it, you know, it goes out into the web. And anybody that wa- is looking for a live thing to watch, it just tells them and they might click on it. Next day, I get an email from these people and it says, oh, you're you are a false teacher. You're telling them that they, you know, they can eat bacon or they What Bible are you reading? What Lord are you following? You tell me, because it's not the one that's found in this Bible. 66 books of the canon, okay? We don't add in the Apocrypha here. We don't need Purgatory and all those things they added in at the Council of Trent. But yes, I believe in the Trinity, because that's what's revealed in the Bible. That is what sound doctrine teaches, okay? Anything other than teaching the Trinity is a heresy because it's not taught in Scripture. Law observance is anathema. Go read Galatians 1, 6 through 8. If you can't get those few verses right, I don't understand where your thinking is. Let's read it together. Let's just go there. It's ego. It is. It's ego. It's arrogance. It's, it's a, a, a complete denial that Jesus is all sufficient. That's what it is. Galatians going? 1, 6 through 8. So we go to Galatians chapter 1. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him, Jesus, the one who did these things, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you. Do not taste, do not touch, do not handle. Okay, or handle, taste, touch. Okay which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's it. And then what does he do? He spends the next six chapters telling you what he's talking about. Law observance. He uses Peter as the prime example of that in chapter 2. He uses circumcision as the benchmark of that because if you're not circumcised, you're not a law-observant Jew anyway. That is the primary thing that you have to have under your belt, literally, before, (laughs) before you are considered acceptable under the law. And so he says, if you allow yourself to be circumcised, meaning every other precept of the law of Moses, every other one of them follows suit after that. If you're not, if you allow yourself to be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. nothing, zero, absolutely nothing. You are a debtor to the whole law. Now, now that you've sent me your arrogant email telling me that I'm not supposed to be eating pork, I want you to go back and I want you to read the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy and tell me that you have fulfilled every single precept in the, in those three books today, and if you violated one precept one of them then the whole law is broken and you are a debtor to that law and you stand condemned and you are according to paul anathema and they can't get that right basic simple basic theology and they can't get it right it just it, to me it is maddening I, I can't think of a better word to fit that than that as a but side it makes sense
1: they haven't read the bible they've been clicking on all the
0: ear ticklers that's right that's and right. They
1: haven't taught. They haven't been good
0: shepherds. they've got their presuppositions. They've just been teaching on Yeah. They've got their, they are accountable. They are just as accountable. The, the, the teachers are more accountable, but yes. they are accountable for what they are believing. And if you are unwilling to read this book, go ahead and read the book of Enoch if you want. Why bother? Why waste your time out? I have read the book of Enoch. I've read the book of Jubilees. I've read all of the pseudepigrapha. Okay. I've read all of the other. Writings. You can go, uh, they've kind of changed the website, so you have to poke around a little bit more, but you go to wesley.nnu.edu, wesley.nnu.edu, education, edu, okay? And from there, you can click on their non-canonical writings. And every single writing that you can possibly dream of in the history of the world is there. If you want to read the writings of Flavius Josephus, I've done it they're there. If you want it's all there. Why waste your time? I can assure you that it's great for historical value if you're doing research. And you know, if you're you want to know about what does history say about this verse in Acts outside of the Bible. Great. That's a good place to go. But if you're just wanting to know theology, why would you go to something that is called non canonical? That means non-scriptural. Why would you do that? Okay, but everybody will spend their time doing it yes, pseudepigraphal, false gospel false writing, pseudo meaning false and epigraphal graph, think of a graphology, the pseudepigraphal false writings Okay, but they're sensational, they make my ears feel good and so I read this stuff well that's fine but you should spend ten times as much time in this bible than anything else and that way you will avoid these problems but as a side note This set of prohibitions doesn't just apply to the dislikes of the Jews, but of anyone who would come to you and say the same about any other tradition or teaching of man. It doesn't matter what it is, like that email that guy sent me this morning, okay? People just dream stuff up out of their heads, and then they type up these things, and they say, send us on. It has no relevance at all in anything except that person's head and it doesn't match scripture at all and they send it and say, please send this on to Sergio and Roder, or send it on to read this to your church on Sunday morning. I'm not reading that nonsense and I'm not sending it on. But have a nice day, okay? Um, Romans 14, 14. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything unclean, to him it is unclean. There you go. Nothing unclean. There's nothing unclean. And he's talking about foods and uh, et cetera. He's not talking about people going out with prostitutes and stuff. So don't take that word and run with it. Okay, we are responsible to other parts of scripture as well. What were you saying? I was just saying it's food only. Yeah, food only. There you go. Okay, life application. If there is food you find nummy, then numb, numb away. You are free from guilt, even if you are not free from some type of stomach troubles because of how much you eat. So be careful with that one. All right, I've got a uh, commentary coming up in I don't know eight or nine days, and it's on um, uh, it brings up uh, fasting. They, they, Acts 13, 2 or three it says that uh, they the prophets and the people in Antioch are fasting, and then the Holy Spirit says uh, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the ministry that I have called them to, and it says they fasted again, and my. Life application at the end of that is, is fasting required for Christians? If you want to know, wait for the commentary to be out in a couple of days. Maybe the rapture will happen and then you'll find out for sure. Anyway, but um, uh, it, that's it, one of the things that uh, fasting, if you. Um, anyway. Read the commentary instead of letting me comment on it right now. That's too much of a diversion, and I hate to give away stuff in advance. That's why I get so uh, mad when people email me and they say, I read your sermon, and it's coming out on Sunday, and you need to uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, uh, why don't you consider adding this in or something? And if you read it, please don't tell me you've read it, because that's my sermon until the day I give it. Okay, um, uh, it's out there. I had to send it to somebody today because he was not on Jim's list, and did you get that? Okay, I did so, get it. I
1: haven't put oh, him on yet. That's but, okay. You
0: know. Put him on there, and I told him if you get you on there in time, he'll get two copies of it, and he'll get a nice formatted one because I don't do that. But um, uh, I told him. I think I told him. <laughs> if you read it, don't tell me. I, I don't want to know. I would rather have you wait until Sunday and follow along with us instead of knowing in advance because okay. – one, I may change things. Two, I love to add little things in to come off the top of my head during the sermon. And three, you've already heard it, so you're gonna be sleeping in the pews or you're gonna fall asleep at the TV. And I don't appreciate that. You're supposed to stay awake during the sermon. I used, so,
1: to, ask, I used to ask people, please don't read it, because Charlie would not yeah,
0: you know, like it. Yeah, but it doesn't but it's matter. It's like saying, don't eat the cookies don't in the <laughs> jar. It's like okay. It's like, well, you know, That's really, their business. They if they're going to do it, it they're going to do it, and it I can't. Here. I can't. You know, control that. I want people to have it in their hands for Sunday, but I don't tell me if you do because I don't want to know that. And stay awake when I give it. Okay. Um, you started
1: off this verse and saying because the Roman Catholic teach this. Oh yeah. If you noticed on the internet for the last three or four days, they. The, the, the priest to put scripture verses for you to read. Okay. Well, on what? I have noticed they, yeah, you know, they, they list about. On what site? 818. Uh, when you come up to the news.
0: Oh, it depends on what news service and what browser you're using, and if you're using Fox or if you're using yeah, Google you're or. Fox. Okay, Fox. And yeah, then what 18, site do you go to? Huh? What news site?
1: Well, it's the Fox News
0: Network. Oh, Fox. He says they're putting up scripture from. Yeah,
1: but. You know, there's, well, All of have, Fox they is list doing about it, I have... that. I really had day. Yeah. And for the last like, four days, they have something from Priest Francis or somebody, whoever.
0: I had no idea. Yeah. Huh? Well, no idea. It's there. Wow. I had no... Well, at least it's out there. And if yeah. it gets people reading the Bible, I don't care what the source right. is. Right. I don't care. Because if people read the Bible, they'll be able to determine where this is wrong, where that's wrong, where Charlie Garrett is wrong. You read the Bible, you are responsible for your your doctrine. But, I'm, you know, if the Bible is being put up in verses, I don't care who puts it up there. As Paul said about evangelizing, I don't care who's talking about Jesus. All I care about is that Jesus is being proclaimed. Okay? That is what's known as a source fallacy. I'm not going to read that because the Catholic Post did it. Or I'm not going to read that because listen, you know what? It doesn't make any difference. Or saying, you know, I know that this is good because that guy is Jewish and so he knows what he's talking about. Big mistake there. Don't, that source fallacy. The source does not matter. What matters is the content. content. That's right. Verse 222. Oh wait, give me one second.
1: Hey, you got it up there.
0: Oh good. Already got it up. Okay, 222. These are all
1: destined to perish with use. Use because they are based on human commands
0: and teachings. Okay, a little different here. Which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. So a little bit different, but it's basically the same thought. Mm-hmm. The word which is referring to the words do not touch, do not taste, do not handle of the previous verse. The error of those who attempt to reinsert prescriptions of the law of Moses or some other group who would mandate their own traditions or customs, which are contrary to the finished work of Christ, is that they fail to see that these, Paul's words, concern things which perish with the using. They perish with the using. What good is it if that's the case? If it's not eternal, then it obviously is not of eternal value. <clears throat> I'll stop right there. Something just came to mind. Every day, you know, the first thing after I finish up my work, whenever that is, if it's 4.30 or if it's 6.30 or whenever, the first thing I do is I turn off the computer, I walk to the TV, and I plug it in. I do not use a remote because I don't know how to make the TV come on with the remote. It's got like 800 (laughs) buttons, and so I plug the TV in, and I unplug the TV. And then when it comes on, there's a remote dedicated just to Apple TV, and it's, it's set up for people like me. So... I can navigate that. And what I do is I navigate directly to YouTube, which is the default thing, so I don't have to do anything. I just turn it on, and it's YouTube. And then I watch the Bible Bites, okay? And over the past week, every single Bible bite she does two a day. One is she's doing the Book of Ruth right now, which is really great. I'd forgotten some of the stuff that was in there. But... She's uh, doing another one. Every one for the past week has been on exactly what we're talking about right now law observance. And I was thinking, people must get sick of me talking about law observance. But as I said, the Lord is the one that keeps repeating this. He repeats it again and again. And again. why would He do that? It's because He is the one that fulfilled the law, He came incarnate, Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law. He's trying to tell you this is an obstacle. This is what got you into the mess in the first place. All the way back on the very first page where we interacted in the Bible, you blew it. And that is what got you into this problem. And I have spent all of these books and chapters and verses showing you that problem and how I am going to get you out of that problem. And then when I come i am going to do it i'm going to do it not you i am the one that's going to do it and then afterward the next books of the bible tell us how he did it and why it's so important that we focus on that issue that's why i talk about law observance all the time it may get boring to me it's never boring it's always out there it's all
1: out there I'm cleaning my office. I find a thing about Lent back when I was church over at the um, uh, Methodist church in West Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Good church for a Methodist church. And and they were doing they were doing this thing. And it was like basically uh, they would get to like the days that the preacher was preaching. And it was like, well, this is our Sabbath. And I'm like, it's not. It's not the Sabbath. The Sabbath is over with. We just you just can't get away with it. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't notice that back then. It's like, oh okay, well, you know, it's the day we all go to the, our temple and praise yeah. the Lord. It's like, yeah, no, it's not the it's not. It's it was it just fulfilled. it's like little
0: it's little crumbs everywhere. It's like dirt
1: everywhere. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, you know, what
0: That's a a good example. When I was just learning about computers, I came back from overseas and then I uh, uh you know, had my own business and then eventually I went back into waste I was in wastewater and then got back into wastewater and by then computers were starting to really be used. Okay. And there's this one guy Gary he's here in town he's a nice nice guy and he uh, was very good with computers and he came over one day to help my mom with her computer and um, uh, he was talking about uh, you know this is in here there's a virus and we need to get that out and then he, he was talking about deleting things and he says you know it's like it never really goes away it's like dirt that's thrown inside of your computer and it's it's there and you never really get rid of everything. When you download a program and you get rid of it, there'll be some trace of it somewhere in there, and you you can find those things. And um, that's kind of what it is. People come into the New Testament, and they they they've got this dirt thrown all over in their theology, and it's muddy, and it's it's stained. And somebody gave an example. It may have been during a sermon. I can't remember. It was. There was this the, the whiteboards, not these nice chalkboards but the ones that people the use nowadays. The yeah, they're they're white, okay? <laughs> and he walked over there and he put a spot right up here with a black pen. And that's all anybody could focus on. They by the end of the sermon everybody was going crazy. They wanted to know why that was there, but that's all they could focus on. Their eyes were not looking at him. They were looking at that black spot. That's what it is. This is the beauty of what Christ has done. This pure white thing, and there's a little spot over here that mars it. And all of a sudden, people start spattering it. It was great. I don't know what the the example was. I mean, it wasn't about law. It was about something else. But I remember. I don't know if I saw it on TV or if it was at a. I, 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 it's coming back slowly.
1: David Sin. They do that with David
0: David's sin. sin. Yeah, one little one little thing mars the whole man absolutely right, and as James said, you one violation of law, you've broken the whole law. Sin, it's a big problem, and law is how sin is realized. Without law, there's no sin. Why would you reintroduce the very thing that is exposing sin instead of going to Christ where sin is covered over? It's atoned for. It's gone. I don't know. <clears throat> okay, Uh, The error of those who attempt to reinsert the prescriptions of the law of Moses or some other group who would mandate their own traditions or customs which are contrary to the finished work of Christ is that they fail to see that these things concern things which perish with the using. That's where we left off. The words with the using come from the Greek words te apokrisis. This word, apokrisis, found only here in the Bible gives the idea of using up and thus being consumed. Combined with the word perish, which gives the idea of corruption through decomposition, we are given the correct idea of what Paul is speaking of. When someone eats something, regardless of what it is, it breaks down into something else. The very eating of the thing destroys it. In other words, it is what Jesus was speaking of in Mark 7. I'm glad that this is here because I was going to go back to Mark 7 today and I was going to show you that this isn't something that just happened to come up from Paul's hand. This is something that Jesus referred to and that was then explained within the text itself in Mark chapter 7 verses 18 through 23 it says, I'll start at 17. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus Without understanding also, do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Now this is, this is the Lord who gave us the law of Moses. This is the one that said you will not eat swine or bat or whatever. It is an abomination to you. He's making a point to them. He doesn't say that eating a pig is an abomination to the Gentiles. He says it's an abomination to you. They are being taught that the law brings about sin. If there was no law, it wouldn't be an abomination to them. they just eat the pork, have the ham, bacon, whatever they wanted. I remember the old Simpsons But when I was years ago when I watched the Simpsons. I haven't watched them in many, many years, but one of them I was watching and it had ham and be- uh, ham and bacon and chitlins and all these different things, and they were all pointing to one animal, and Homer says, "Yeah, like one animal could make so much delight." Uh, okay, we'll go on. It was, okay, are you also thus without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach and is eliminated? thus purifying all foods. And he said, What comes out of a man, that defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within a man, and defile him, within and defile a man, all right? It doesn't matter what you eat. It can't defile you. These shall be unclean to you, Israel, because I'm going to teach you what the law does. I showed you an example of it right at the very beginning when Adam fell. One law. I'm going to give you so many laws, you can't believe it. I'm going to heap them on you. And you've got to keep every one of these or you're going to need to observe the Day of Atonement. Better yet, you must observe the Day of Atonement because you're guilty before my law. That's what the law does. Life application. The food regulations which are fulfilled in Christ along with all of the law, all of it are nullified. Any such teaching now is no longer of God. If it's not of God, then it is, as Paul said, anathema. It is according to the commandments and doctrines of men. The new covenant is now in place and thus the old is set aside. And so if any, can anybody tell me where that is? Set aside an old obsolete Hebrews, Hebrews what? Eight? Hebrews 7.18, Hebrews 8.13 and Hebrews 10.9 Okay, Colossians 2, 14, and Ephesians, uh, I don't remember, abolished. Okay, remember those. Ephesians 7, 8, and 10, in case somebody asks you, you can find it by going to those three chapters, Colossians 2, and then look for the word abolished in Ephesians, okay? There are others as well, but those are those are explicit. They're explicit references, okay? Any such teaching is now no longer of God, but is according to the commandments and doctrines of men. The new covenant is now in place, and thus the old is set aside. And so if anyone says to you concerning that tasty pork chop, don't touch, don't taste, don't handle, you can tell them, take a turn off the heresy highway and onto the road of righteousness. I am purified not by my own deeds, but by the work of Christ. And then, go enjoy your dinner. Okay, we're in verse 223, 23. which, if I'm right, this is the last of chapter three. Huh, yes. Yeah. So uh,
1: what's the difference
0: between touch and handle? Okay, that's what I read in the last verse. Let me take you back there. She was sleeping. See? Um, no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Okay, no, here it is. Um, uh, It says, what is that? Um, what is okay, however, back? the first word translated as touch and the last word translated as handle should be switched. It should read, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Both words are very close in meaning, but the last phrase means a less deliberate touch than the first. So the first is handle, the last is touch. It's less deliberate. That's okay. I saw you napping, and I wasn't going to wake you up. It's fine. I I wasn't upset, and I wasn't crying at all. I wring out my handkerchief. Okay. Um, (laughs) All right. Um, 223. Let me get there okay 223
1: such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body Mm. but they lack any virtue in uh, restraining sensual indulgence
0: okay says the same thing but differently these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion false humility and neglect of the body. your said um, harsh treatment, harsh treatment of, the of the, yeah, this one says neglect of the body, which is kind of the exact opposite, but I think the thought is the same. But are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. That makes okay. Sense. Yeah. So there you go with that. Let me make a note right there. And uh, I read that these things These things, Paul's words, these things refer to what Paul has been speaking of in the previous verses. Like circumcision versus uncircumcision, partaking or not partaking in certain foods, participating in certain religious festivals, worshiping angels, and so on. These things. He lumps them into this one thought and says these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. Well, that's what they do. When these people that are in cults come to you and they tell you something, they're not going to tell you something that's so obviously insane that you'd walk away laughing. Although some do, and people actually stick around for them. Like uh, David Koresh. I am the Lamb of God that's in the book of Revelation. And people stayed. Anyway, uh, that's what you call not knowing your Bible very well. Okay? But people will come up and they'll subtly hint little things. And, you know, look at this verse, and it says, if you obey my commandments. And you think, oh, what's he talking about? And then they explain to you, well, of course, that's the commandments of the law of Moses. And you're not trained in the New Testament. You haven't read through two or three times, and you say, oh, he's right. I need to observe the commandments. It's right there. When John uses the word commandments, he never uses it speaking of the law of Moses ever he's speaking about what Christ is telling us to do with the new covenant okay but if you don't know that and if you don't know what Paul is saying you're going to have the context context actually matters okay so uh, all these things they have been uh, put into a big lump and these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion okay that is what i would call not self-imposed religion the cross of Jesus Christ is not something self-imposed. It is something that is granted to us. He did the work. We do the trusting of what he has done. There's nothing self-imposed about that. That is gratefulness for the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Okay, that is what we need to remember. People who partake in dietary restrictions, for example, seem to be more pious than others. Oh, they love to hang that over your head. Ascetics look at their self-denial as leading them to a state of holiness. And you'll see that a lot with ascetics. people that. Now, uh, when I talked about fasting in that commentary, I will say this right now. I won't give you my answers to whether fasting is required for New Testament believers or not. But I do say in there that uh, there are different reasons why people fast, okay? And I don't think I got into any depth on that. But there are different reasons why people fast. And one of them, is for health reasons, okay? We've got a guy in this church that fasts. He fasts twice a year. He does not eat anything. He has water only for 14 days twice a year. And if he ever gets sick or feeling down, he immediately stops eating and it usually goes away within a half a day. He's very disciplined about this, okay? I do put in there, and I will tell you this so that you can look it up tonight if you want to. The longest fast Ever, water only fast was how long? Anybody? 40 days. 40 days. Anybody else? No, it's longer than that. It's longer than that. By about 342 days longer. It's 382 days. Okay? He
1: must have been pretty overweight. He was very
0: overweight. He was in the hospital (laughs) and there was no other choice. The guy was punching his ticket. He was a young guy. He was uh, in Scotland and he stopped eating. And he lost all that weight and he was as healthy as a horse 382 days his body lived off of it once in a while he kind of fudged it he put a little milk in coffee or something so it wasn't a true water fast but um, uh, it, it will cure all kinds of problems with you I want to tell you though that if you get into that type of fasting which is fine because it will it, a lot of people have been helped with water fasts in many many ways there's testimonials all over the internet on it um, but. I will tell you that you could actually even get legalistic about that. I'm better than you because I fast twice a year, okay? So be careful with anything like this, okay? Any type of self-imposed attitude can lead to pride, okay? The guy in the church that does this does not have pride, but he will tell you right away if you're sick, stop eating, drink only water, and go from there and you know that's just his thing he was way overweight the first time he came here he visited when he was uh well, i don't uh, know about that you didn't you didn't see him the first time you might have seen him and not even recognized him but he was the big guy and uh now he's just then he's really? yeah yeah so he came he, it, not when he moved here this is he, he came just to visit He was time. there
1: with his wife right the first time
0: I don't even remember. I was like, he was so was different. Behind him? He was so different that I didn't even know who he was. That's huh. how different he was. Okay. I tried
2: the fasting while I was sick. It didn't help
0: me. Yeah. Well, okay. What? Well, <laughs> see, it didn't work for you. I got only worse. Okay. Yeah. It didn't work for you. And I love to eat. I'm she sorry. And I got nothing to fall back on. The idea of fasting is to be able to have it eat away the things that are attacking your body. But if you don't have any body, I'm a bag of bones you know, bad, so, that's why yeah, you're pretty skinny too. So, um, but yeah. Okay. So I'm just letting you know, anything that you do in this life that is self-imposed can become your own idol. It can be something that you try to impose on others and you don't want to do that. Okay. So what we're talking about here is more religious, but anything can do this. Anything can become an idol in your life. Okay. So be careful with that. Um, A person is not more holy by not eating, is, yeah, a person is, uh, it's a question, but is a person more holy by not eating pork or by observing a Passover cedar? Well, if you ask some people, the answer is yes, but the answer is no. Christ fulfilled these things. By placing one's faith in Christ, they skip over the shadow and obtain the substance of what the shadow only pointed to. And that's what Paul was speaking of back in uh, verses 16 and 17 of this chapter. Why put a beanie cap on your head when praying if you were never a Jew in the first place? And yet people do that. Now, having said that, if you go to the Western Wall, you've got to wear a beanie cap when you go to the Western Wall. They're not going to let you go to the Western Wall unless you put a beanie cap on your head. But such is as... He, yes?
2: Oh, There is a trick. You just put your hand Yeah. and they'll let you
0: in. Oh, so you got to walk around like this? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of goofy. I'd rather have the beanie... I'd rather just put the beanie hat on and not do this. But they're
2: reusable. They don't wash them, so... if you want to have lice or something?
0: That doesn't bother me. (laughs) I don't have any hair for lice to adhere to up here, okay? It doesn't make any difference. Get on your beard. Yeah, those things... (laughs) Then I'd have friends to play with, okay? (laughs) You're giving me all kinds of excuses here. Put on your beanie cap. Okay, (laughs) such as false humility... In the end, it doesn't add to personal holiness at all. The neglect of the body, Paul's words, the neglect of the body is specifically speaking of ascetic practices that he had just referred to. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. But again, such things are, as he says, of no value against the indulgence of the flesh, which is what Jesus was talking about. You can not eat, you can eat. That doesn't change anything going on in this thing right here. As a matter of fact, as I said, it can make this thing lift up. It can make it a source of pride. I'm better than you because I fast twice a year. Okay, he has never done that. If he does, I'm going to have to set him straight. But he's never done. It. He's a very humble, wonderful guy. But um, uh, I just don't want to say his name without permission. But he uh, he uh, sticks to this, and uh, he does it twice a year. He goes to the projects with us, and uh, uh, he's. He and you, the yeah, he hands out cookies and stuff to children, right. and he's, he, he's got the fortitude to not sit and snack on the cookies. But he always starts oh, no. out a little bigger, and by the end of the 14 days, he's right where he wants to be. He's lost probably, what, 18 pounds, you think? Somewhere around there. He looks great again. And then he lives a normal life, and then he does it again twice a year every year. So anyway, my hat's off to him, because other than when I got COVID, I will tell you this. I told him I got COVID, Hediko's got COVID. He said, stop eating. I said, I'll give it a shot. I did. I didn't eat anything. I got better in two days. Hediko kept eating and she it took her eight days to get through it. And we had the same, I got it from her. So uh, I have to attribute it to that, but it was a tough two days because I was already hallucinating from the high temperature and all that. But I got better very quickly and I was able to preach on Sunday. So thank the Lord for that. Anyway, um, Uh, false humility, don't touch, do this, yes. Okay, in the end, these things which are seemingly pious are actually prideful. They are works to impress God, but God does not need to be impressed. He came out of his eternal realm, donned garments of flesh, and fulfilled everything necessary to reconcile fallen man back to himself. What God looks for is faith. In that not in self. As I said before, you can have faith in all kinds of things. You can have faith that I, you go into a shopping mall, pull a string on your chest, and blow up 85 people, that you're going to go to heaven. That is misdirected faith, and misdirected faith is wasted faith. Okay? God wants you to have faith in what He has done, not in what you are going to do or what you have done. Okay? When God looks for, what God looks for is faith in that in what he has done not in self an attitude of self-righteousness is completely opposed to trusting in christ for imputed righteousness okay now having said that when a person does exactly what i just said and they go into that shopping mall they are doing an act in order to be pleasing to god in order to earn salvation okay that tells you right there that it is a false religion You don't need to go any further in your thinking than that because it is a work in order to please God instead of God reaching down to please us. Every single religious expression on this planet, mark my words on this, is self. Every one of them. Go through the religions and look at what they come down to, the basic thing that they come down to, and it will come down to one thing, self. I am going to do this, self. Every single religious expression that has come along comes back to self, except true Christian faith, biblical Christian faith. God has done the work, and I'm grateful to him for what he has done. It's the only expression you're gonna find where that is true, okay?
1: And, and, and God is not so concerned pleasing us, but saving us.
0: Saving us. Yes, We're already, the default position is already the highway to heck. What we need is to be brought out of that, and he did the work. Okay? We don't need to impress God. He he already knows every single thing. There's nothing that we are... And, you know, people walk around and they think their skin is so valuable. I'm going to tell you what. It really isn't. When you see... I talked about this a couple weeks ago. When you see an entire world of people destroyed in the flood, it shows you the value of man. There is none without Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus do we find true value. Okay? So, uh, you have conversations with people and they say all past lead to God, they have not thought things through very clearly, okay? There is one way that's pleasing to God, and that is to come to God as he is presented, and no other, okay? Paul's words are clear and direct, and they ask us to put away externals as a means of seeking God's favor. We are to be purified in our hearts. As it says again and again, Deuteronomy and Jeremiah in Romans, circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh, okay? We are to be purified in our hearts, filled with faith in his provision and trusting in his ability to complete our salvation to lead us back to himself. It's not us. It's about him, the works of the Lord. Life application. As always, the Bible shows us that faith in what God has done, is doing, and will do, is what is pleasing to him. When we put aside faith and begin trusting in our own actions to merit his favor or to increase our standing before him, we are saying that we don't need him. It's okay, God. I can handle this from this point on. I've got it. Don't worry about it. This is why even after salvation, we are to continue to trust him for our walk towards holiness as Paul says in Galatians 3. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, hold fast to Christ and to Christ alone. That's what God wants. That's that's what he expects of us. Okay? Okay. God saw us get ourselves into the dilemma. God gave a process, a plan, which he has been working out for thousands of years, slowly and methodically to show us what's pleasing to him. But all you need to do, you can go right back to Genesis 3 and you can find it. You can go to Genesis 15 verse 6 and you can find it. You can go to the sacrificial system of the law and you can actually find it there. You can find it in the writings of David. Who is a man under the law? You can find it all the way through the time of the law showing you that it's not the law, that God is pleased with the heart. He's pleased with a right attitude towards him. And he's pleased with our response to his plan as it is being unfolded. And that's why the law, which was the work of the day for the people of Israel, is no longer valid because he's done something New. He's introduced a new part of his unfolding plan of redemption, and that is Jesus. And so nobody can ever be pleasing to God through the law again because the law is done. Okay? It's so simple. One plus one will always equal two in proper theology. Always. We're in chapter three. I know. You You said we wouldn't make it here. Well, (laughs) we're here, buddy. We barely made it. We made it. Oh, we got. Look at all the time we've got.
2: Charlie, just before I start, so does that mean? Was that what you said? Does that means that God gave the law to show us that it's we.
0: We need Him. We need, we need him. him by we faith. That's faith. what He, he says in Galatians. The
2: same thing as Adam was in in the garden had to trust by faith not to sin, not to just trust God by what he Trust told, God by trust faith. Trust the word of God that He told not to eat the, from the Absolutely. tree. Absolutely. And then
0: it's a, a lack thief. of faith that got us into yeah, it. It's it. It's faith that got Adam. Yeah. Right again. Okay. Absolutely, it's always been faith. So
2: it's it's there's no other purpose.
0: There's no other purpose, and as he says in Galatians, the law was a tutor to lead us to Christ, and the tutor, a pedagogue, it's the guy that rears up the child until a certain point when the child is old enough to run the affairs of the house, and so that's what the law did. The law was showing us how things were to be and to lead us to Christ. All right. So, and I may have missed that a little bit because we're not in Galatians right now, but that's basically what he says. He he gives us several reasons for the law, but one of them is to show us, one is to show us how utterly sinful sin is to God, okay? The law shows us that, and then it's to show us how desperately we need Jesus. It's to show us, uh, it's to lead us to Jesus, and so on. There are these principles that the law teaches us but the law was never meant as a means to an end ever you know I always
2: thought when, when it says to lead us to Jesus it's through it was like a shadow or like things that you read it and it points to Christ it does the whole concept of it is the
0: whole concept of the, it is. Concept the of it entire is the concept purpose. every purpose is to lead us the That's whole thing.
2: why sometimes when
1: people say the Jews are, are chosen people I always think Gosh, for what? Yeah, chosen it's for like, what? You know, it's like you basically had to go through all this pain and anguish to show the rest of us that we all need Jesus yeah. as our If Lord you're the Savior, chosen
0: people, self. chosen for what? Mm. There, there has to be a reason, okay? It's not to malign God's name like Chuck Schumer up in the uh, Senate right now doing the things he's doing, you know? Uh, I'll report on uh, somebody, a Jewish person, on Sunday during the prophecy update. And as I'm reading the article, all you need to do is think of Ezekiel 36, 22. Yet not for your sake, O house of Israel, I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have blasphemed among the nations, wherever you've gone. You'll see that on Sunday. Thank you, Thor. Smells really good, buddy. Uh, did you bring the other thing you said you were going to bring? It is there. Okay, I just don't want to lose it. Okay, you're a good son. Best son ever. Times a billion. I love you. Say hi to Faith. Galatians 3.24, okay? I'm, I've been instructed by Burke, the master of the Bible, to... Oh, there, yes, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Yes. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. The, I wanted you to get that
2: so we
1: could be justified by faith. He, he had a purpose. There it is
0: a purpose. That. It's to be justified by faith. Yes. Thank you. Don't want to lose that. That's... Important. You're gonna squeeze the yeah. life out of that. I, you know, I every time that I, yes, I am. Every time that I read the uh, chapter ten of Leviticus, or I listen to, I listened to it just recently. Every time I get there, I think the same thing. The sermon that I did on it, and I I remember. I don't remember the substance of what I said, and I don't want to read it, uh, say it wrong. But let me read you the passage here. And the conclusion at the end of that sermon, it comes to mind every single time. I'm not going to get into it and talk about it. I'll just read you the things. But even during the time of the law, the law showed us its inability to do what it was supposed this to do. This is at the end. Uh, well, it, what it is, it's where Nadab and Abihu mm. offer profane fire before the Lord. And the Lord kills them. And then he says, don't, uh, you know, don't tear your garments, don't go outside, you know, all these things. You, The holiness is on you. You are the representative before the people, and therefore, because he's type of Christ, and so he is not to mar that image. So you're not allowed to mourn or any of these other things. Let the people of Israel mourn for it. But he gets down to the end, and uh, the sin of the, the, uh, the sin offering was not eaten then moses made a careful inquiry about the goat of the sin offering and there it was burned up they were supposed to eat it because they are the picture of christ the sin eater the one that consumes the sin and then it turns it into something else and discharges it out of the body right it's it's taking it and removing it okay it was burned up and he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of aaron who were left saying why have you not eaten the sin offering in a holy place since it is most holy, and God has given it to you to bear the guilt of the congregation. They are to bear that guilt into them and purge it out, just like Jesus was saying about regular foods, okay? Uh, To make atonement for them before the Lord. See, its blood was not brought inside the holy place. Indeed, you should have eaten it in a holy place as I commanded. Moses was furious. They did not abide by the precept of the law. And Aaron said to Moses, look, this day they have offered their their sin offering. They had to offer for their sins first, and then for the sins of the people. Then they eat the sin offering, eliminating the sin. Okay, their burnt offering before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. He's the chief priest. He's the high priest. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? So when Moses heard that, he was content. And as I said at the end of that sermon, if he had sat down and thought through what he had just heard from Aaron and the ramifications of that, he would have broken down in tears and he would have said, why are we even doing this? What is the point of what we're doing? The law itself testifies to its own futility, its own weakness. Okay? Think of Leah. Remember the pictures of Leah and Rachel? Rachel is Grace and Leah is yeah. the law. What did it focus on in Leah's character? One thing. It
1: wasn't very, very Her eyes. <laughs>
0: right. Her weak eyes. The weakness of the law. Okay? It's telling us these things because the law is ineffective at doing anything. Go watch that Leviticus sermon. Yes, so I just it's one of my it. favorite ones. Hang on a sec. Have a wonderful evening. Sorry you have to leave early. Bye. It's dark outside. Yeah, oh, it's so, pitch dark.
2: So I just got it. So if my question then and why would God give something that cannot save in the first place why is it not just give the to lead mark? us to Christ but, yeah but yeah but like why not just show Christ but then it can't work that way no you, it's almost like if you, you
0: have to go through the motions
2: yeah it's kind of like if you have a person and you assume they're a good person but then you don't know until you Get put them in like a position where their sin can come out for right. example you say don't um, eat don't that eat fruit eat don't right. eat that from that tree And now you know that you know they can't hold it. But if you don't give the law,
0: then there's no way of. There's no. There's there's no fence. And there's no knowledge of good and evil. That had to come about. Yeah. That had to come about. But here's
1: the crazy thing that you're touching on right there is that okay, the entire Jewish faith today, two thousand years after the Messiah was was crucified, they're still hanging on to something that that you know. Is futile, Does, they, and, and they, they know they it, think, it is. They and they so, it works? as Sergio
0: said at communion on Sunday, they just keep adding on these things. They keep trying to get away from the very thing that they are under because they know that that was ineffective, mm-hmm. and so they come up with all these things. Absolutely. Did we read this verse yet? Three one. No. No. Let's do it.
1: Oh, well, I was thinking maybe we would
0: be able to stall and
1: not have. Anything. Oh, not get in. <laughs> well, we we can
0: just close right now.
1: We're just yeah. Okay, okay. Here we go. No, no, no. So, okay. Since then. You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.
0: Wow. Wow. What I, This is a great verse to finish the day with. Wow. Okay. I, I better read it just so that we have a, a comparison. It was very close, but here we go. Uh, if then, not since, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Once again, here we are. Does God have parts? No. God does not have a right hand. Okay? He's not sitting there and Jesus sitting on his right hand. God is spirit. Okay? That is a, uh, when it says that Christ is seated at the right hand of God, it means that he is in the position of all authority. The right hand is the position of authority, power. Okay? So uh, it's not Jesus sitting on one throne and God sitting on another, and there's a difference. Jesus is in the position of all power and authority. Starting in verse 2, 11.
1: Well, he said all authority has been given.
0: That's right. That's, he was making that point. Yes. And then it says that and again in Acts. And then it says it again in Acts and again. And then it says it here because they're trying to tell us that yeah. Christ is in that position. Okay, starting in verse 2, 11, Paul began his explanation of what it means to have died with Christ. He explained what that means in relation to the law what that means for us in our daily lives, and how to avoid being trapped by those who look at Christ's death as being insufficient for their passage to heaven. Or I would add in, not only their passage to heaven, but the surety of their passage to heaven. Because if you don't have surety of salvation, in other words, uh, eternal salvation, then it comes right back to you again. It comes back to your works, your effort, not Christ's. Okay, that is not what the Bible teaches. Security of salvation is taught in the Bible. You cannot lose your salvation. If you believe you can, then you believe that what Christ did was insufficient and you need to work where He, you need to fill up what He is lacking. And that's not what Paul's speaking about in those verses, the other verses as well. So, uh, where he kind of hints at that, but it's a different precept. Okay, your salvation is assured. Okay, Uh, means for our daily lives, how to avoid being trapped by those who look at Christ's death as being insufficient for their passage to heaven and their continued salvation. Okay, he carefully explained that it is all sufficient, and that we are freed from the basic principles of the world. Now, at the beginning of chapter 3, he moves from what the death of Christ means to us, and he focuses on what it means to be raised with him. Death resurrection. He begins with if then you were raised with Christ. If you're in Christ then you were raised with Christ, buried with him in baptism, raised to newness of life through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of what you have gone through what Paul explains in the epistles okay in verse 2:12 Paul said that we were yeah here it is, buried with him in baptism. And he then said that we were raised with him through faith. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about first the the crucifixion and now the resurrection. The explanation of what being buried with him means is done. And now he explains what being raised with him. What does that mean? The word if is not one of doubt. Quite often you'll see if in the Bible and it looks like it's a doubt and that's not what Paul is trying to say, and it's not what the Greek implies, but our word if, often in our minds, will say, well, there's a doubt in something. That's not it with this word. It is one of certainty. Uh, if you were raised with him, you were raised with him. Okay? It's a note of certainty. You were buried with Christ. If you were buried with Christ and brought out, it, it's not saying it's conditional. Right. It's saying it happened. I'm using this as an example. Okay? So... that's one of my starts with since. Since! That's right, since uh, with him in his death were they, uh, better read that again, the word if is not one of doubt, but one of certainty. Just as a believer in Christ is united with him in his death, where they became dead to sin and also dead to the basic principles of the world, then being raised with him should bring the believer to a new state. This state is explained in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that God is not imputing sins to us or counting our transgressions against us, okay? Christ wasn't just raised to eternal life to live out an earthly life. Instead, he was resurrected to eternal life as the Lord of heaven and earth. In this state, he ascended to the Father with all authority and power in his possession. He is now in heaven, then we who have been raised with him are to seek those things which are above. If he's there, then that's where we're to be focusing on. As I said, it would be great if somebody resurrected. Okay, suppose somebody in, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, India in 922 A.D. resurrected. What good is it if he's walking around on the earth? It's just an earthly life. It's just as boring as it could be. Okay? Okay. Uh, you know, it's the uh, one, was it was at the Twilight Zone. One of these uh, shows had a guy, they called him Gilgamesh. And he's a guy that uh, was there that uh, I think he struck Christ. He was one of the guys that was at Christ's crucifixion. And he was cursed to walk on the earth forever, to live forever. I, what a terrible existence that would be. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses are looking for. Earthly body on this earth forever. Only 144,000 get to go to heaven. You talk about a pathetic hope. That is it. No wonder they kill themselves so much. (laughs) This statement is well explained by Paul in Philippians 3, 12 through 21 about being raised, okay? Keeping our eyes on that which is above. We are to forget that which is behind, which is our earthly existence when we died with Christ, and instead reach forward forward to those things which are ahead which is our anticipated heavenly existence where Christ now is that's what we're to have our minds focused on okay and that doesn't mean I understand people love the thought of the rapture we were all enjoying a thought about the rapture before the class today I can't wait for that day I am so excited about that day but I am not gonna try to predict that day I'm not gonna try to outsmart God about that day it is my hope that's what i'm waiting for i'm waiting for that great day and if it happens today great guess what i've already typed another 10 sermons and another 13 acts commentaries because i don't know when that day is going to happen if i thought i I get this thought sometimes on monday i'm really tired i went to the mall i've got to get back into the sermon typing i always take a little time to go to the mall to clean but i come back and i think what if the rapture happens in the next eight weeks I don't need to type any more sermons. And then I start typing my sermon again because I have no idea. And if I would listened to those stupid rapture predictors over the past 20 years, I'd never get anything Sporadic. done. Yeah. yeah. I, you, you just sit around and do nothing, which is what Paul exactly, explicitly says not to do in right. two, current, or two Thessalonians, but they still do it anyway. But... We've got a life to live. We don't know what God is gonna do. We know what he's gonna do, but not how he's gonna do it when it's gonna happen, I mean. So we just have to keep living out our lives, all right? Read this again. Um, uh, We need to reach forward to those things which are ahead, our anticipated heavenly existence where Christ is now. This is what it means to seek those things which are above. It is to look to our heavenly home, as we were doing earlier, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And I am i know I'm not gonna mention that here. So um, yeah, okay, I don't say anything about I'll say it again, just in case somebody just clicked on. God does not have parts. There is not one throne that God is sitting on and another throne that Jesus is sitting on. Jesus is God. He is the one that is at the position of all power and authority. That is what we are being told. We're not being told that Jesus sat down next to God and he's in some subordinate position. He is God and he proved it through the resurrection. He is the God man, okay? So when you see this this uh, metaphor that is given in scripture, if you believe that God is sitting there with, with Jesus at his right hand like this, then you might as well believe that mountains actually clap, okay? Or that hills sing. They don't, it's metaphor. We're being told things in a way that we can perceive what God is doing. And to show the greatness of what. You know, when you look at the hills, Sergio did a, vi- a video some time ago about the, the Dead Sea literally coming to life. And when he flew over it with his drone and he played the video for Yossi, who had been to the Dead Sea a million times in his life, Yossi had no idea where it was. That is the mountains. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? That is the mountains singing, that is the mountains rejoicing and clapping at the glory of what God has done. And somebody saw that and he decided to use it in the Bible and one of the Psalms. You know, let the hills rejoice. That's what it's, are you showing it? Oh, you're no, not showing was, it. He's trying. gonna see if he can find it. Anyway, what a beautiful, beautiful picture that somebody put into poetry. Not intending for us to really believe that that's the way it is. And it's the same thing with God's right hand. Please get your theology straight on that. God, we will never see God the Father ever God the Father is spirit. Jesus Christ will reveal God the Father to us ceaselessly, endlessly, for all eternity. But we will never see God. Once Once again, I've said this before, if you see God as he is, that means that you are God. Because you can see everything that God is, and that's impossible. We're finite. Yes, he
1: who has seen, me has has seen,
0: seen the Father. That's right. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are seeing the expression of God in the person of Jesus Christ. We're look at look at how beautiful. Is that the video there? Are they? Can they see that online? It's look at. Yossi didn't even know what he was seeing because we thought,
2: it's. We thought we're showing him seal of Galilee.
0: Galilee. I remember that. He's like, it, it's beautiful and it came alive. It look at how beautiful that is. And this is the, remember we walked up that hillside? That This is right there. Look at how green it is. We walked up that hill one morning, my mom and I. It was absolutely barren. Absolutely barren. And they said, watch out for snakes. Well, you know, I'm not putting on shoes for that one. But <laughs> you would not even know that's the same planet. You would have no idea. And this just happened because God wanted the hills to rejoice. So we got five minutes. I got to finish. <laughs> of what value... Is it to fix our eyes, our hopes, and our attentions on what we have died to? Why would we do that? It makes as much sense as watering flowers in a rainstorm to go back observing the law, the feasts, dietary restrictions, and so on. Instead, we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, Jesus, who has overcome all of these things. Our hopes and hearts should be directed to spiritual growth and maturity in preparation for an eternity of dwelling with him. Life application. We are dead to the basic principles of the world. We are not bound to laws which bring only a reminder of sin, but instead we are alive in Christ. He has freed us from this body of death, and he has raised us to sit with him in the heavenly places as this is so, then why would we look back to the earthly carnal life that we once lived? We came to Christ to get away from that, not to continue wallowing in it. Good example just to bring that home to you and we'll be done. D. James Kennedy was giving a sermon one time and he was talking about the American system and how good it was. used to be. And, uh, He mentioned somebody that was talking about the european model and how we needed to follow the european model and he said we came here to get away from that why would we go back to that well that's what we're doing in this country we're going back to the european model and guess what we're doing with our theology we're going back to the law we keep going back to the law we keep going back to ourselves we keep going back to earthly and sensual things and we do not come to Christ. And we need to stop that. We need to renew our minds every day. Think about Jesus. Read the Bible in the morning. Read the Bible at night. Think on Jesus. Look at that video that he had up and the beauty of what God is doing in this world. That is nothing. That was gone in a moment. How long did it last? A week? Three days? Um, It was a short time. A a week. A week. We get to see better than that forever and forever and forever. It will never end the joy and delight that we're going to have. So as beautiful as that is, and as nice as it is to see it, to say, I'm going to move there, would be pointless. In a week, it's going to be all gone. Heavenly Father, forgive us of returning to things that are insufficient and that you died, your son died for us to get us out of Help us to focus on him and what he has done all the days of our life. Help us to revel in the goodness of Jesus and in the hope that he has given us. The hope of a life that is in a place so much better than this. And may we have that soon. This world is wearing us out, Lord. Every day it gets worse and we just pray for our redemption to come. But Lord, in the meantime we've got people with trials and troubles and we read them at the beginning of this and i can't help but have justin on my heart right now the poor young man is literally wasting away and we pray that your hand would be with him and that he would be brought up to you but lord we leave that in your hands if you want him to uh, stay here and be miserable or to be healed and be here we would pray that when i say to you i'm not talking about death i'm talking about joy in you and health and, and and vigor in his bones we would pray for that lord but whatever you have we leave it in your hands knowing that you have a purpose for all things but we do pray for him and for all the people we mentioned earlier and claudia as well claudia is still struggling and we lift her up in her migraines lord give her uh peace in her mind and we just ask that you would bless her and her uh, attempts to get better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, boy. Okay, you back this baby up. Claudia, you still working for the school? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what her uh, work so schedule completed. is, but she's having these terrible migraines still. So uh, we got to go to break.